All right, a good Here we go. A good everybody. So we're up to Daf Mem Aleph, page 41 in Mesechus Yuma. And we are up to the fourth line, Omar Rev Chista. All right, Omar Rev Chista, the fourth line. And um, until now, we're going to start a new sugya. Until now, we've been discussing whether the drawing of the lots is ma'akev or whether it's the placing on the animal that's ma'akev. A big focus of today's daf is actually going to be on um, on the laws of kinim. Okay, when a person has to bring a, a pair of birds, at what point do those birds uh, take on their official statuses? Let's give one example. Okay, one example is going to be if you have a woman who after having a child, is going to bring a set of birds. One is supposed to be a carbon chatas, and one's supposed to be a carbon ola. Okay, so listen to this very interesting halacha that Rav Chista is about to tell us. We're just, we're just going to preface this Gemara. According to Rav Chista, and there's going to be a big focus, so let's get this clear. Ask me any questions if it's not clear, okay? According to Rav Chista, in order for one bird to be established as the chatos and the other bird to be established as the ola, that can only be done at one of two times. Either, either the woman, at the time that she purchases the animals, purchases the birds, I'm sorry, says, this one is my chatos and this one is my ola, that is the chatos, that is ola. If she doesn't do that, the next time it's possible to establish which one's a chatas and which one's a is by the Kohen when he's actually makrevit as karbonos. Okay? Any other time, any other time, the statement of this, this one is the chatas, this one is the ayla is not valid. So let me give you an example. All right? Good evening for those just joining us. We haven't yet started the daf. We're just prefacing. Okay. So, let's give an example. A woman purchases these two birds that are supposed to be a chatas and oila, but she doesn't say which one is which. And then she comes to the Beis Hamikdash, and on her way to the Beis Hamikdash, she's like, you know what, this, is, this one looks to me more like a chatas, or this one looks more like an oila bird. You know, I want this to be the chatas of the oila. You know, it doesn't matter. We don't listen to her. She, if she didn't establish it at the time that it became it was purchased for heck, purchased these garbanas, she's done. She can't establish it at the time. The only other time it could be established, which one is the chatas, which one is the ayla, is by the kohen. At the time of the hakrava, okay. Again, let's just get this. Let's get this clear. There's gonna be there's gonna be amaral. According to Rabbi Chista. We're going to keep questioning this, okay? According to Rabbi Chista, there's only two times where when you have a set of birds, you can determine which, you can decide which one is the chatas, which one is the oila. Either at the time of the purchase of the birds or when the kohen is maker of the birds. At no other time can you decide and say, I am establishing this one as the chatas, the oila. It's not valid. All right, let's read this inside. Here we go. Fourth line. Amr of Chis of Chis says, Ena kinemis varshin, Ela oi belikikas bailem oi basiyas kai. 
The only time you can establish, if you're bringing a set of birds, one per chathas, one per ayla, the only time you could establish which one is a chathas and which one is ayla is either at the time that the owner purchases it or at the time that the kayan does the abayda. Amar Rav Simi Barashi. Rav Simi Barashi says about this, my time of the Rav Chista, what is the reason for Rav Chista that you can only do it at the time of the purchase or at the time of the doing? It says by the birds that she takes it and he does it, which means you can only determine what's what at the time of the purchase or at the time of the doing. All right? Remember this statement, Klar, because we're going to keep challenging this. And here we go. Here's question number one on this halacha. Meisveh, they ask a challenging question on Rav Chista. You make the carbon chatos of Yom Kippur. The Zazel, the one that's sent away. Only the Lats, the Gairel, can determine which one of the two animals is the Lashem and Lazazel. Only the lottery. Shayachol, I might think, ready for this? What do these goats have to do with the two birds? What's the Shaykhis? What's the question? Says the Gemara like this. I might think we have a logic over here. What's the logic? Just like in a place by the birds, where there's no lottery. There's no lottery. A woman doesn't say, oh, draw a lottery. This one is going to be my chatas bird. This one's going to be my other bird. There's no such thing. But still, by her designating which one is a chatas and which one is a ola, it's valid. So we'll say, So on Yom Kippur, if, where we have the lottery, which does establish a name, how much more so should the calling it out, calling the name of Lashem, Established as a chatas, tamulaymar vaso chatas. Therefore, it says only the lottery makes a chatas. Agarulay sechatas vein hashem sechatas. Only the lottery of Yom Kippur makes it, and not the designation of the kain. Okay. Now we don't have a question yet. We, the Gemara hasn't developed its question, but what we've said so far is, again, keep this all in mind. Very important. Rav Chista says by the birds, which is the focus of our sugya, by the birds. You can only say which one is a chatas, which one is ayla at the time of the purchase or the time of the doing. You can't do a lottery. Now says the Gemara, one second. But you're trying to compare the law of a soyer lashem and soyer lazazel of when you're declaring it to the law of the birds? Let me ask you a question, says the Gemara. At the time that you're establishing a soyer lashem, soyer lazazel, is that when you're purchasing it? No. When is the lottery done? At the time of purchase? No. At the time of the shechita? No. So the whole sugya of lottery is a sugya that's, that we're comparing the laws of Yom Kippur, chatas, to the set of birds. But one second. Let's read this inside. By the lottery... Nobody's buying nothing. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody's doing the Abayda. But we're still saying that by establishing over here, we're saying that when a, a person would establish which one is a Ayla, which one is a Chatas, it's established. Kasha on Rav Chista. Okay? Let's say, this, let's say this clear. What's the question on Rav Chista? 
Rav Chista was of the opinion, is of the opinion, you can only determine which bird is what at the time of the purchase or the time of the Avaidah. The problem is, ask the Gemara, we have a brysa that connects the halacha of what establishes a bird, you could do it with your mouth, to possibly Yom Kippur at the time of the lottery. But what's the connection? Unless you say that taka, you can establish the pair of birds even during an in-between time, even when you're not purchasing and you're not doing the avayda. It must be, Rav Chista, you're wrong. Answers the Gemara, Amar Rav, Rav answers, no. Rav Chista is not necessarily incorrect. This is what the Brisa means to teach me. Just like in a place where if you would not have done, uh, you, it, it would not become Kadosh with the lottery. Now, which case is it not Kadosh with the lottery? Birds. If you draw a lottery to determine which one's the Chattas Laila, doesn't matter. doesn't do anything. And, but you're going to say that if it's at the time of purchase or the time of doing, it's going to be valid. We should make that the more Chamer one. And say in a place where, where lottery does impact it, even though it's in between the time of purchase and the time of doing, how much more so? How much more so should we say that when it comes to the animal of Yom Kippur, you can even turn it at the time of purchase or at the time of the only if the lottery makes a chatas. Period. Rukhitz is not blown out of the water. What just happened? Let's speak this out outside. Let's speak out the Gemara. In the question on Rukhista, we assumed that the birds are a more machmir halacha than Yom Kippur. That's what we thought. The birds are the chamor. And Yom Kippur is the Kal. Why do I think the birds are the Chamor? Because you, uh, the birds cannot be established with a lottery. That's a Chumrah. But Yom Kippur could be established with a lottery, so you see it, that you have an easier time establishing Kedusha. And because we consider the Yom Kippur one the Kal, and the, the, the pair of birds won the Chamor, the Gemara tried to say, I, so if by Yom Kippur, which is Kal, you could draw lots, how much more so by the birds you should be able to establish it not during the purchase and not during the doing, even in between, for example, like during a lottery time. That's what we thought in the question. Again, that Yom Kippur is the Kal and the birds is the Chamer. Answers, answers Rava. No, you're viewing this wrong. Really, Yom Kippur is... Uh, re- really, the birds is the uh, the the birds is were being machmir because there's no such thing as drawing lottery on the birds, and even at the time of purchase and even at the time of doing, we say that there's no lottery, but still at the uh, at the earlier and later time it's going to be valid. So, Yom Kippur, which is more Machmir, we're making Yom Kippur now the Machmir one, because it has the Gairo working for it. So how much more so should we say that when it comes to Yom Kippur, it should be a valid designation? 
comes along the Torah and says, no, vasochatas. Yom Kippur has a specialized halacha. Only the lots on Yom Kippur to counteract that kavachayma. Only the lots make it hectish and nothing else. Okay. Period. So what we're up to right now in the Gemara is Rav Chista may very well be correct. Again, what's our, what are we discussing? That when the pair of birds, when can they be designated? Either at the time of purchase or at the time of the Avayim. Rav Chista sticking to his gun so far. Let's see if we can support him, disprove him. There we go. Tashma. Come, let's from another Mitami Mikdashani. A purse, an ani who is Mitami Mikdash. Okay? He made the base of Mikdash Tame. So, um, yeah. So, uh, the, a person over here, Rashi explains, a person wants to bring a carbon oila viyarid. He came onto the Harabayas when he was Tame, and now he needs to bring two birds as his carbons. So, Mitame Mikdash on. Why is he bringing birds? Again, keep in mind, because he's poor. If he'd be wealthy, he brings an animal. Only because he's poor, he's bringing two birds. See, here's what happened. Listen to this case. A guy came on Tarabayas when he's poor. So what's his immediate obligation? Two birds. So what does he do? He says, listen, my birds are going to cost me 50 bucks. He sets aside $50 for his $25 for his chatos bird and $25 for his oila bird. What happens? He didn't buy the birds yet. What happens? The Hashir, he wins the lottery. He makes a big business deal. Now he's no longer poor. Now he's wealthy. Can he bring birds? No. Because a wealthy person has to bring a full-fledged animal. So what does he do? Then he looks at the money. He's like, oh, this 25 bucks, my chat, this one for the oila. Says the Brisa, I'll tell you what to do. The 25 that you set aside as your chatas money for the bird, add on another $75. Now you'll take the full hundred bucks and buy yourself a chatas animal. Okay? You had $25 set aside for a chatas bird. You can no longer bring a bird because you're wealthy. So add some more money to that original amount, and now bring a chatos. He says, Gemara, one second. When he set aside the money, is it at the time that he purchased the bird? No. It's money. Is that the time that he shechted the bird? No. <laughs> he didn't purchase it yet. Still money. But we're still saying, ask the Gemara, beautiful kasha. We're still saying, v'katani dekaba. We're still saying that the money that you set aside is chatos money, and this money set aside is other money. But one second, Rav Chista, I thought you can't designate anything unless it's at the time of purchase or at the time of the asiya or at the time of the avayda. Here you see you could designate two separate things even while it's still money. Great question. Omar of Sheshas. Rav Sheshas says, one second. I'll answer you by telling you that this whole brisa is one big mistake. Why? Vitisbara, does it make any sense what the brisa just said? A person who goes on to the base of Mikdash when he is wealthy and he's tummy. 
So now, what, what is he obligated to bring? A animal, a full-fledged, expensive animal. The um, heavy carbon ani. And then, instead of bringing the animal that he's really obligated to bring, he brings a set of birds, which is cheaper. La yatsa. A wealthy person who brings a set of birds does not fulfill his obligation. The kivan de la yatsa. And since he does not fulfill his obligation, hechi kava. So how do we establish his money that he set aside? Elamayislachlameimar. What are you going to tell me? Shekvar Omar Mani Yusai. We're going to say that, oh, really, he originally was poor. And at the time that he was poor, he said it. One second. Hachanami. So too, Rav Chist is going to say, Shekvar Omar Misha that really he said at the time that he set aside the money that this is for my Ayla and this is from my Chata. So in other words, what the Gemara is wiggling, the way the Gemara is wiggling Rav Chista out of this is by saying that the Brisa, which says you have a poor guy, he goes on to Harabayas when he's Tomei, and then he sets aside money, and he says at the time that he sets aside his money, that this is for an island, this is for a Chatas, okay? Memela, Rav Chista may agree that setting aside money for something is considered the time of Lekicha, because now is when it's that initial moment. I, says the Gemara, all right, it's very nice. But according to Rav Chaga, the name of Aishia, who says that if a, if a rich guy brings the carbon of a poor guy, he actually has fulfilled his obligation. Top of Amad Bey's Ma'ikul Amemar. What are you going to say? Rav Chista is still stuck. He can't wiggle out. Afterwards, don't say he put aside the money and afterwards he said it. Because again, according to this Mandi Omar, it's not going to be valid. So rather what it is, is he puts aside money, buys the birds, and at the time of buying the birds, he says, this is for my chatos and this is for Naila, and then he becomes wealthy. What do you do? Add money. Follow along. How is we explaining it right now? Listen closely, because this should bother us. What we just explained, according to Rav Chista, is the guy sets aside money for his chatos, for his oil. He buys a bird as a chatas, buys a bird as oil, then he becomes wealthy. So now he, because he didn't bring the bird yet, he just said he just purchased it, right? He wasn't makravi yet, and now he's wealthy. So now he's obligated to bring an animal. So what do you do? You add money to your chatas, and bring that as your animal. Ask the Gemara, what? You have a chatas bird. You add money to your bird, and you're bringing an animal. What shaykes? Bird plus money doesn't equal animal. Right? <laughs> it's not the way it works. Ask the Gemara one second. Lokach. What shaykhis? What is that doing anything? The Gemara says, oh, you're right. Bird plus money does not equal animal. But I'll tell you, what you did is you set aside, you, you have your bird, then you became wealthy, so you redeem the Kedusha off your bird onto money, now you add money onto that money and you buy a bigger animal. Says the Gemara, another question, that's not possible because, and Rashi clarifies for us, Va'ein pidyon le'oif. Yeah, we learned the Menachas, Va'ein pidyon le'oif. One of the things that cannot be redeemed, you can't remove the Kedusha and transfer it onto money, is a bird. So that cannot be the case where I bought a bird and then I took the money, the Kedusha off the bird, put it onto money, and now I added money. That's not possible either. 
So we're still stuck. El Amar Papa, rather Papa says, Gunshan Lotach Prida Achas. What happened was, he walked, he walked in with $50, okay? And he only set aside money. Um, he, he takes the money and he buys one bird. He takes some of the money and he buys one bird. Now, whichever bird he bought, the remaining money is certainly going to be for the other one, right? So if he purchased a chatas bird, the remaining money is by default going to be an isla. And if he purchased an isla bird, the remaining money by default will turn into his chatas. It says the Gemara, if the bird is an isla, now we say you add money onto the original money that you had left over, right? Because you use $25 for your isla. You now have $25 left for your chatas. You didn't purchase the bird yet. You have $25 left for your chatas. Now you become wealthy. Add money onto that and buy a full-fledged animal. Shalom al Yisrael. And what about the isla that you bought? You're no longer obligated because you're rich now. You're not going to bring an isla bird. All right, bring it on the Mizbeach as a carbon and dava. No biggie. But if the bird that you purchased is a carbon chatas, now you're stuck. You can't transfer the kedusha off, and you also can't bring this as your chatas because you're wealthy now. So you can't just add money on. You have to buy a brand new full-fledged chatas animal. What do you do with your chatas bird? You just leave it till it dies. Right? The same way we found by other animals, by an animal you let it graze till it dies. Basically, it's, it's a loss. Yeah, sometimes you, you make money, your taxes go up. You take a little bit of a additional loss that you would have hoped for, right? So over here, you, uh, Baruch Hashem, you made money, but it also means that the animal that was set aside is no longer going to be a kosher chatas for you, period. End of that back and forth concerning Rav Chista's statement about when the animal, when the birds need to be designated as my chatas and my ayla. Again, Rav says only at the time of purchase or at the time of the avayda. Okay. Here we go. Gufa, piece of a previously quoted b'raisa. If a person goes on to the base of Mikdash when he's tamay and he's wealthy, baby karbanani, so you're wealthy, you're supposed to bring a sheep. What do he do instead? He brings birds, brings the cheap one. You didn't fulfill your obligation. Okay? That is Rav Lazar quoting Rav Aishi. If a wealthy person brings a poor man's carbon, nothing doing. Rav Chaga am Rav quoting Rav Also, they're arguing over what Rav opinion is. He says, no, you have fulfilled the obligation. You're wealthy, you're not supposed to bring the birds, but if you do, you fulfilled your obligation. That's a challenging question. A poor Mitzayra who brings a wealthy Mitzayra's carbon. You did fulfill your chiyuv, okay? So a poor person wants to bring a more expensive carbon. That's fine. However, a wealthy person who wants to be stingy, and only bring a poor man's carbon, lo yotza does not fulfill his chiyav. This is a this is argue. There's a question on Rav Chaga Am Rav because Rav Chaga said in the name of Rav Aishia, 
that if a wealthy person brings a poor man's carbon, it is valid. Over here you see it's not. Answers the Gemara, shiny hasam, dechsev, zeis. By Mitzayra, it uses the word zeis, and uh, the word zeis means that the Mitzayra can only bring whichever carbon is in his category. Zeis, this carbon, if you're rich, it's this one. If you're poor, it's this one. If you got to bring this one, so why if a poor guy brings a wealthy carbon, is it valid? I thought you got to bring only your category. Why, can a, why is a poor guy allowed to spend more money? Um, yeah, that since the Torah says Tairas, this is the Tairas of the Mitzayras, that means it's, the halacha only applies to a wealthy guy who wants to be cheap, not a poor guy who wants to be generous. I'm sorry, and we end, I'll prove it to you from a brisa. It says, Tairas includes a poor guy who wants to be generous. I might think, what about a wealthy guy who wants to be stingy? No, he's stuck with his, uh, with his carbon. He can't give a cheaper carbon. And if you do, it's not going to be valid. Says the Gemara, why don't we learn it out from there? That um, uh, a person who's obligated to uh, bring a larger carbon because he's rich, and now he brings a poor person's carbon, right? So why taka does Chaga Amr say you have fulfilled your chiyav? Why don't we learn out from Matzira that you're not uh, that you're not yaitze even when you're tamei? The Gemara says Rachmana Since the Taira gives a miut, it says imdalu only if he is poor. Only, which means that generally you got to bring an animal. But if he's poor, if a person's in a category of poor, then you could go with the birds. Until you enter that category of the imdalhu, birds are not your carbon. It's not your carbon. It's not like, yeah, birds are fine, animals are fine, and, you know, just depending on how much money you have, this is what you should do. No, the Torah says, if you are poor, by a mitzayra, then you enter this category. If the guy's wealthy, though, and you bring a bird, you never entered, you're not yaitze, um, you're not yaitze at all by Mitzvah. But by Toma, he says, we don't find the word v'imdalu, and therefore I hold that we can be lenient. Period. End of that Gemara. And now we move on to, uh, we move on to the next Mishnah. Very, very, very interesting Mishnah with a fascinating Gemara. Let's give a quick introduction. All right? We are aware that after the Kohen drew his lots, Sawyer Lashem, Sawyer Lazozo, right? One's going to be brought on the Mizbeach, one's going to get thrown off the cliff. They tied a red strip of wool to the Sawyer Lazozo. And if that red strip of wool turned white, it was a sign that Klaiso was atoned for. Did they also put a strip of wool on the Sa'ir Lashem? Or not? Was there a red strip of wool put on both animals? Or was it only put on the Sa'ir Lashem? Or was it only put on the Sa'ir Lazaza? Okay? Now, this is going to be the discussion of our Gemara till the bottom of the daf. It's going to be the primary discussion. Let's read this inside. It's a little bit of a long Mishnah, but it's actually just very, it's very fast. It's again the Tfilah of the Kayin. We're familiar with this. Here we go. 
red wool to the horn, to the head of the Sar Mishalech, the Sar Lazazal that's going to get sent away. And they position it in its direction where it's going, where it's going to be headed, by the gate where it's going to be headed, towards the east. And the one that's going to be shechted, the Sar Lashem, that was opposite its, uh, its gate. Okay? Every, in other words, everybody in position. So once the lots are drawn and it's established, all right, everybody in position. Sar Lazazal this way, Opposite this gate, Sar Lashem, opposite this gate. The Kain Gadol then goes back to his personal parachatos. Um, he does smicha. And he says, yeah, this was his vidoy that he did on behalf of himself and the entire uh, family of Kahuna, our Unintentional sins, our intentional sins, our rebellious sins, as it says in the Torah of Meisher Abenu. On this day, Yom Kippur, we've come to purify ourselves. and everybody around respond to the Kain Gadol, and they say, Baruch Shem We're familiar with this when we, right, uh, when we uh, bow down during the Musaf. On Yom Kippur, we're familiar with this tefillah, and everybody says, Baruch Shem, right? Everybody responds, Baruch Shem, Baruch Shem, Okay. Now the Gemara says like this. Okay, so that's the tefillah, but basically, what we just read in this Mishnah is, the halacha is, they took the wool, they tied it to the head of the one that got sent away, put it in position, and then they put the Sar Lashem into position. The Gemara is about to ask, what does it mean they also put the Sa'ir Lashem in position? Does that mean it, it, only that it went into position? Or does it mean that it also had wool tied to its head? Okay? Even though it doesn't say it specifically that the Sa'ir Lashem had wool, like Lala Azazel, but the Mishnah does say that the one that's going to be Lashem, slaughter, goes opposite it. Kind of makes them sound similar. So the Gemara Shaila now going to be, let's read this inside, Ibailu who says Gemara, they asked the Shaila, searching for information. Okay? Are we talking about the the uh, the Shita or the Ha Ahmad? Alright? Meaning, meaning, do we also tie this red wool around the tip? Toshma come and listen, Tanya Rabbi Yasev, Kosha Lashan Zahiris Braisar Mishaleach. They tie red thread, string, a wool, around the head of the Sar Mishtaleach. And they put it into position. And the one's going to be shechted in its position. Very important. Ready for this? Listen closely. This is beautiful. We already have the proof. The Sar Lazazel went to its gate. Sar Lashem went to its gate. Why? So they shouldn't get mixed up again. We have to know which one's Lashem, which one's Lazazel. One second. What do we immediately chop? That means they looked exactly the same. 
they had the same red strip. Because if one would have a strip and one doesn't have a strip, why would they get confused? <laughs> right? That's going to be the obvious point. We'll get there in a moment. All right? But let's keep reading the Bryson. And also so that these animals that are Hashem don't, don't get confused. They're mixed up with other animals. Now, the Gemara develops its question, which we already know. If you're going to say that both goats were in position and they both had red wool tied around their heads, okay, it makes sense. You want to make sure to put them into positions they don't get re- uh, mixed up again. But if you're going to say just they go into position, one second. If it makes sense, you want to make sure it doesn't get mixed up with the other animals. But uh, the high... Um, the high cutter bay, the high light cutter bay, right? Because one has a string and one doesn't, but the soil Hashem can still get, uh, it cannot get mixed up with the soil Azazel. You know why? Because one has a string and one doesn't. It must be that the soil Hashem also had wool tied to it. We actually have a proof from here. Beautiful. Okay, so again, the Gemara started out with a Shaila. Was there red wool tied around? The head of the Sa'ir Lashem? Answer is, yup, it was. How do we know that? Because we had to make sure that once they were established, they didn't get mixed up. And if one would only have a string of wool and one wouldn't, there's no reason to be to have that concern. Okay. Period. Let's now talk about these Lashinais, these tongues. Back then the wool, dyed wool, was uh, was serviced in the shape of of uh, tongues, okay. So that's why it's called tongues. But it means a it means a you know a gathering of wool. Here we go. Rav Yisak said, "I heard that there's two different types of lishaynis, two different types of wool. Okay, there's one type of tongue of red wool that was used by the paraduma." And one type of tongue of red wool that was meant for the sawyer lazaza. One has a minimum amount needed to tie around the head. The other one doesn't. I'm not sure which one needs a minimal amount and which one doesn't. Rabbi Yosef says, listen, I don't have a direct source either to show you which one has a minimum amount. But I would just say, according to logic, I would say, listen, the sar mishtaleach that gets sent away we know that that wool had to be cut in half because the other side of it went on the Sar Lashem. We just proved it also had wool, right? So says Rabbi Yosef, if the wool on the Sar Lashem, you need to take wool off of it enough to put on a Sar Lashem, it must be that there's at least a, a minimal amount needed to divide it. So if you want to know which one needed a minimum amount of wood, the Paraduma wool or the Lazaza wool, it makes sense it's Lazaza wool that needed a minimum amount. How much is that minimum amount? Enough to be able to split it up. Okay. Paraduma, which doesn't get split up, doesn't have a minimum amount. Says the Gemara, no, 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 Rabbi Yosef, not so fast. Even by the, by the wool, the Paraduma, it has to have some sort of weight for it to be considered like it's being, like wool is being burnt with the Paraduma. So that also, there's logic that would dictate that it needs a shear. It needs a minimum amount. Amalei Rabba, Rabba says, listen, kaived tanoi, yeah, how much weight is actually a machoikas tanoim, which we're going to get to, udupara loi boi chaluka, 
Says the Gemara, and besides for that, you're telling me that the Sawyer, the Hamishtaleach, that gets sent away, the Lazazel, needs to be split up, so that needs a minimum amount. You should know, even the Sawyer, the Para, even the, the Red Wool, the Para Duma, um, is uh, also needs to be split up. And I'll show you, because Eisvei Abayi, Abayi says, Ketzadu Aisa, Karcha Biyashari Lashem. You wrap it up. You you wrap up the cedar and the and the azoy, the hyssop, in red wool. So you see that there were parts of the wool that are left over. So you see that that was also cut in half. Not only was the by the goats on Yom Kippur is the wool separated and divided, but you see even by the paraduma the wool was separated. So the Gemara says ema biznav lashem. Okay, maybe we're, we're the way to read it is that there's znav lotion. That doesn't really mean you got to split it in half, but you know, every time you take wool and you comb it out, there's always going to be a few threads. So maybe all it means is those few threads is enough to burn, uh, is, is enough to burn with it. All right, let's get one more uh, halacha here for this evening and this sugya of the red wool concerning the para aduma uh, is going to take us on to tomorrow's daf, but we'll stop just a couple lines from the bottom of this daf. So here we go. Let's just get uh, two more steps here. If you have eights eres, cedar, and the red wool, that that of the fire burns up, is kshera. It is considered to be a good burn. Okay? Now, what is this referring to? This is referring to a very interesting halacha, and that is by the para aduma. We said that there needs to be wool in the fire burning with the para aduma. Over here, says Rav Chodin Amarav, that it doesn't mean that the wool has to mamish be put into the fire. Even if the wool is above the fire and the fire leaps up and burns up that wool, it consumes it in the same fire, that's also going to be valid. Mesvei, that's a challenging question. We said, let's say the wool was burnt while it's above the fire. You got to bring another piece of wool. So what are you talking about? It doesn't need to be put in. You see, it does need to be put in. I'll tell you the difference. The difference is whether you have a tall flame or a, or a short flame. Okay? If you have a tall flame that goes up and burns it with the flame itself, that's valid. Because the wool, the wool was burned in the flame. But if you have a short flame with the heat going up and it kind of just singes the wool, that's not going to be valid. Rava Aymer, Rava says, And this is what, going back to the, uh, like four steps ago, when we said how much weight the wool needs in the the fire of the paraduma is actually machlekas tanam. The tani we learned in the brayso lama karchan. Why did you wrap these? Uh, why did you wrap the azov and the erez, the cedar and the hyssop? Why did you uh, wrap it up with the red wool? Kedeshi yokula maguda achas divi Rabbi says that it's all got to be together. He's got to take it, which means it has to be one taken, one taken. Rabbi Elazar Reb Shimon Aimer kedeshi hebem koyved. It has to have some sort of weight to it. This way, if it has weight, it's going to fall into the fire before it is completely consumed. And we need to make sure that it's all together at the time 
that it reaches the flames. And that's how Ravah will explain also the nafkamina between um, uh, the nafkamina by the paraduma exactly um, the difference in halacha. Why by one place does it say that it's going to be kosher if the fire gets it, if it goes up, the other side's got to be puzzled. The difference is how much weight it has. Okay, If it has enough weight to bring it down into the fire before it's completely burnt, that's valid. If it doesn't have enough weight, then you have to assume it was like singed when it was on top of the, like higher above the flame, and by the time it went, it got down, it was no longer around, and therefore the, the burning is not going to be valid. We're going to hold it here. We're up to Ki Asa Rabdimi, three lines from the bottom of Mem Aleph Amad Beis. And Bez Hashem will pick up from here tomorrow morning at 9.30. Good to everybody.